Y'all sing good. Isn't that beautiful, just to hear each other? What a great song. I, uh, in my own time this morning, uh, which it was too cold to go outside, <laughs> I'm really glad and I'm really sad. <laughs> Love doing that. Man, can I just read for you in light of that song? Ephesians 1, 19. This would be good for us tonight. I pray that you would know how the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put, listen to this, y'all. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Wow. Y'all ready to meet with God tonight? I mean, we already have, but are you guys ready to hear from him? Yeah, I just think it's so amazing, right? That his, the scriptures just tell us his word is alive and active. And again, don't forget that. It's going to penetrate. If you will open yourself up to him, his word is going to come in and he's just going to go to the deepest part of your being. And he says it divides. It helps us to know, wow, this is what's of God and this is what is of me. And I, I'm excited to share with you his word. His name is above all names and he's worthy of our praise. I was thinking about this and our vision statement, we want to be a church that makes disciples with reckless faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, we put reckless in there because too often we just think, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, and, but we don't really do anything. And we're like, no, man, we want to be people who, when you're reckless, you have no concern for yourself. Anybody, isn't that cool? I want no concern for myself and I just want to be crazy for him. Let's do this. And then we flesh it out with sacrificial love. Now, and so, they, it, by the way, these are, these are introductory things because we can't love each other if we're not hanging out with each other. And the Holy Spirit, we did a message on this just not too long ago. The Holy Spirit binds us together. But you gotta be together, all right? So, Naman, good try trying to get those men excited. We are pretty lame, but ladies, you guys rock. But seriously, but that's why we're meeting at my house tomorrow. Because we want to be with you guys. All right? So, man, so show up and hang out and bring your chili, dadgummit. Not the watery beanie kind. All right? But then that's why we're doing the women are getting together. It's been awesome, the stories that have happened, the actual relationships where connection has happened from these Women Connect nights that have led to people eventually even finding Jesus through that. So, come on, women, show up on Friday. Let's do this thing. And, man, for our youth, you guys. I tell you, I, I met with the parents last year, I remember, and I just thought, can I just ask you guys a question with, the, with our kids? Where, where are your kids all week long going to get infused with the presence of Jesus? At school? 
No way. All week long, everything out there tries to pull our kids away from Jesus. All week long. Now, hopefully you're at home <laughs> loving your kids and helping to train them up in Christ. But man, this is why we have our youth ministry. We had amazing people leading our youth ministry. So get them there because they need to be connected. Sacrificial love. And then we, we flesh it out with care for those who are in need. And man, you guys, again, my favorite thing now, I, just, I, w- I wish we did food pantry every Saturday. It's one of the greatest things to get up in the morning and just give yourself away, first thing. And it's super cool because we used to, people would just drive up, we'd stick stuff in their trunk. And now, because we partner with Southeast, which is so exciting, we actually had so many tables of clothes out here and tables of food. And then there were tables for backpacks for kids who were coming in and tables with diapers. And if people had babies and everybody gets out of their car and they just shop, they just fill. And it was so fun because then we actually get to carry all their stuff out to their car form, have conversation. Every person I walked out to the car with, I end up having a conversation. One gal for about 10 minutes. Cause I just asked her, can I pray for you? And she goes, man, would you pray for my son? You know, and then she just, we just, it's, it's so cool. If you guys have not shown up, you know, this is what we do as a church. And these people are, I mean, and they come to us and they say, with inflation right now, this is huge. We need help and we're doing it. So come join us on Saturday mornings. And then the last thing in our, in our vision statement is we want to invite everyone to be in an ever deepening relationship with Jesus. We want everyone to know this great life we have, don't we? Yeah, and so that's what we're talking about now. We just did five weeks called Good News. And we looked at how Jesus said, when he was on the earth, he said, I have great news because I know y'all want to go to heaven because what's happening up there is super cool. He goes, well, I'm bringing that here. The kingdom of God is now here. It can be happening on earth. In fact, when you pray, what are you supposed to pray? Our father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done where? Right here. That's good news, man. We're all waiting to get there. We could be tasting it now. Let's do it. And then the good news that Jesus said, okay, I know you're separated from God. Let me take care of that. I'll forgive you of everything and bring you back to him. I'll rescue you from that whole different way of life. And then I'll raise from the dead so I can fill you with power to live a new life. I got, he's like, I've got so much good news for you. Grace, and you don't work for it. So now after we did five weeks of that, we thought, you know what? If we got all this good news, let's figure out how to share it. Don't you love this? So we're going to do sharing your faith for dummies. Anybody relate to that? <laughs> okay. And, and I, I thought Mike and Garrett, I thought this was fantastic. And I go, you know, and they were like, yeah, but I hope people don't feel offended. I'm like, we all know these books. Aren't these books great? They're just super helpful. They're just super helpful, super creative. I remember one day I walked by and there was the Bible for dummies. Did you guys ever see that one? <laughs> and there's the Bible for dummies. And I'm like, that is fantastic. All right. So we're going to spend the next four weeks figuring out practically how do we take this good news and actually share it with everybody around us, all right? So today, we're going to talk, the message title is The Company You Keep. So in a couple months, um, we got a team that's heading to Eswatini, super excited, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's going to be great. Um, it's been a few years since we've been able to go because of COVID. And it's great, right? Because when you go to Eswatini and then, and, and then we're still waiting to get back to Honduras, which is our other country. And every time I've gone to Eswatini and I go to Honduras, man, it's a different country. <laughs> 
And when you do that, like we do training every time because we're like, hey, we want to make sure everybody understands. Here's, here's what you should wear and here's what you shouldn't wear and here's how you should sit. And it's, you know, and all the women have to wear skirts and sit with their legs crossed and, and the guys get to wear shorts and t-shirts. So, you know, it's, uh, that's why I go to Swatini. Uh, but there's different culture, there's different language, there's different values because it's a different country, Okay. So what we're going to talk about here is the fact that Jesus kind of helped us to see when I came, he goes, there's, I came from a different place. And, and, and then I came to earth. I'm not from this world. He said, I'm from this world. And he says, but I'm going to help you understand how these two come together. So what we're going to talk about tonight is this. How do I love Jesus and be absolutely committed to him and walk in his ways and how do I hang out with people who don't love Jesus and don't walk in his ways? How do I live so that Jesus is totally honored with my life and other people feel incredibly loved at the exact same time? That's what we're going to look at. And this came from a response. We, I thank you. Many of you responded. I put out, we, we put out an email and asked you to say, hey, what, what, what would be most helpful for you, for us to speak about. And in one of those categories is what would be most helpful for you in your own personal life? And, and many of you responded, I would love to know how to do this today. How do I actually honor Jesus and people feel loved at the same time? And especially with family, with people who are close, a lot of that was what you asked us to. So that's what we're going to talk about. All right. So let's look at what the scripture says. This is interesting. How do you reconcile these passages? John 3.16, classic, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. And then in 1 John, same guy who wrote John, he says, hey, don't love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I thought you just said God loved the world. James 4.4, you adulterous people, talking to the church, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Okay, well, how do I reconcile that with Luke 15.1.2 when it said, and now the tax collectors and the sinners who were the friends of the world... (laughs) We're all gathering around to hear Jesus. <laughs> but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And in that culture, if you were eating with anybody, what you were saying was, you're my friend. And not only are you my friend, I identify with you. So, it, it, so, so Jesus answers him. He says this in Matthew 11. John came neither eating or drinking. And they say he has a demon. Son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, here's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. Wisdom is proved right by her actions. What does he mean? Well, you guys, the greatest action ever done on planet earth by Jesus was the cross. In fact, the scriptures tell us the cross is the epitome of the wisdom of God. 
First Corinthians chapter one and two are amazing. They, he says, we preach Christ crucified. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So when Jesus was telling them, it's like, hey, wisdom is proved right by her actions. Jesus is the wisdom of God and his greatest act was to be on the cross. And what did we learn from that act? How do we, how do we bring these two things together? Well, in the cross, Jesus showed us holy love and devotion to God. Holy, perfect love and devotion to God. Sweating like drops of blood in the garden. I don't want to do this. Is there any other way, Father? Is there any other way? Blood dripping down him. But if not... Not my will be done, yours be done. The cross showed us, Jesus showed us what it is to have holy love and devotion to the Father. And at the same time on the cross, Jesus was showing us holy love and devotion to sinners. At the exact same time, he was laying down his life, suffering, so that other people could live. Wisdom is proved right in her actions. And the wisdom of God in Christ is you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. You fight and you wrestle in your garden and you say, I don't want to do this but not my will be done, but yours be done. And you do whatever God asks you to do. And at the same time, what is he going to ask you to do? He's going to ask us to lay down our lives and to suffer for others. That's how we do this. Jesus. Hey, by the way, if, any of a, if you're not a Christian, this is a cool for you. But if you are, who's living in you? Who's living in you? Jesus Christ is living in us to give us the wisdom from heaven and the wisdom of God, the ability and the power to say yes to God and honor him in everything we do. And at the same time, make everybody around us know that they're loved. And that's what we do. So John 17 is this great thing. There's three things in here I want to show you. This is Jesus' prayer. Okay, so now he's, he's at the end of his days and he's going to pray to his father and he's praying for us, okay? So think about this. How do we handle the world? How do we live in the world? And how do we honor God as we do? In verse 14, he sa- here's Jesus' prayer. He says, Father, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer 
It's not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. Oh, this is, I just, oh, God help us. That all of them may be one father. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Oh, man. It's fun to get to preach one of your favorite passages. Here we go. What do we learn about this? What did Jesus tell us? Number one, we are not of the world. We're not of the world. He says, they are not of the world, even as I'm not of it. In fact, we talked about this, Lori. He said in a a few messages, we gave some part of the good news is that God actually came through Christ and Christ rescued us from a dominion of darkness, from a power of darkness, from a kingdom of darkness. And it says, and he transferred us into the kingdom of light. And now the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So this, so you are no longer of the world anymore. He literally redeemed you and rescued you and he puts you into his kingdom. In fact, the scriptures tell us that we are citizens of heaven. Even though we're still here, we're citizens of heaven. So he's transferred you into a new citizen. And you guys, so, so literally again, There's this world that we live in. It's like, again, you have two different citizenships. I guess we're dual citizens. I didn't even think about that. But we're we're in this, we're citizens, but we're citizens of heaven. But there's two different citizenships, excuse me. There's two different countries. That means there are two different cultures. Just like here in Eswatini, there's two different kings. There's two different sets of laws and different ways of life. And he goes, and that one you were in, you're not anymore. I've rescued you. You're not of this world. And then he said this, for them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. God sanctify them by the truth. What was Jesus? So here, you guys, come on, man. You believe in Jesus, or if you're here, this, we're talking about Jesus who rose from dead. And here's what he prayed for you and me. He asked the father, Please, God, sanctify these people. What's that mean? The word sanctify is the same word for holy. And it literally was, you'd take a piece of paper and you would cut it. That's, that's what the root word meant. You just go, and you'd cut it. Why? Because you were separating two things. And so now you have these two things. They're separate from each other. So when you're sanctified, you are cut away from something and, you, and to be made holy. What Jesus was praying for is, oh God, please set them apart from the world and into your kingdom. Get them out of the kingdom of darkness completely and totally, wholly sanctify them, set them apart and put them in this new way, the way of God, the kingdom of God and of righteousness and peace. And then Jesus came and he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, I'm it. So practically, you guys, what, so what's this look like then? What's it mean to not be in the world? I want to say, like, many times when you're young in your faith, I will just say this, I found it to be true for me. 
you have to make breaks. You, sometimes you have to make breaks from places and people and things that are not of God. And you need to do that because you're not strong enough. Because you know, if I go there or I hang out with these people or if I get involved in these things, you slip right back into that. I remember for me, you guys know how powerful music is? Man, especially when you lived in the 80s when music was good. <laughs> Come on, baby. Yeah, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, but I'm telling you, man, in my college days when I was not walking with God and I was enjoying it, by the way, it's all the music's fault because the music of the 80s was so fun. Just helped your party, man. So when I lived that life, not like God at all, and then I gave my life to Christ, this is weird. I don't know if this ever happened to you. Music's powerful. I would put on the music that I listened to during those days and it would rise up within me. I would feel it. I could feel the very things I was, I was doing before. I, it, was, it was so, it was weird. It was just tempting to me. And this was weird. Back in the 80s, they, they, you know, people were afraid of Christian rock and I mean, rock and roll music. And so I was at a, a service and they said, hey, we want you to throw away all your rock and roll, all your rock music. And I'm sitting there and I was so in love with Jesus. I had given him my life. I wanted to, I wanted to be sanctified completely to him. So me and you guys, I had a huge stack, man. I, that's all I do. As soon as I walked in my dorm room, just music immediately. And I went and got that whole stack and I trashed it. But I trashed it because I wanted to be God's. Now I bought most of it back <laughs> since that day. Because it really wasn't about the music. It was about my heart. And sometimes you actually have to not be of the world if it's the things you're doing cause you to get caught up into the world. You know, it, we're, we're supposed to be separate. We're supposed to be different. I don't have time. I don't need to. Read the Bible. There's these lists. The, the New Testament just gives these lists. Here's some things that are of God. Here's the things that are not of God. Here's what your old nature did. Here's what your new nature does. You can just go look at it. But I want to just say like drunkenness is one of those that's listed in the Bible. And, you know, I just got, I feel like I'm just going to be our pastor here for a second. But, you know, I just, I have people telling me, it's like, I know that groups of people get together from K2 and, and people just tell me, it's like, man, everybody's getting drunk. And I'm like, man, I wasn't invited. <laughs> um, don't do it. You're not of this world. There's lots of other things I could pick on, but that's just the one I've heard a lot lately. You're a, you're a follower of Christ and you've been rescued from that. And we need to be a light for people. Now, here's another practical thing. If we do this, Jesus said, the world has hated them because they're not of the world. <laughs> Any of you ever been hated because you weren't a part of the world? You know, this is just going to happen. It's just going to be part. Jesus said, hey, they hated me. Guess they're going to hate you. So that might happen if you actually decide to not be in the world. Not of the world. Not in the world, but not of the world. Can I just tell you, man, here, here's, I love this. This is a Rick Warren quote. I actually keep this on the front part of my computer because we need it a lot in our culture today. Here's what Rick Warren said. He goes, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. 
The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything that they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. Isn't that good? It's just not true. If you disagree with somebody, it doesn't mean you fear or hate them. Jesus didn't come down to earth and be scared of people and hate them. No, man, he loved them. But when you love someone, Jesus didn't, just because he loved him, he didn't just go, hey, but it's okay, man, whatever you're doing. I know it's destroying the, you know, your relationships and your heart, but no, it doesn't mean that. I love that. That's how we need to be not of the world. And so I just want to say, I, I just know there's some of you, I'm, I'm just guessing, <laughs> who are still of the world. You're still of the world and you're not sanctified. Jesus is praying that you will be like him. God is trying to create us to be like Jesus. And Jesus lived a holy life that honored his father every single time. And he never faltered. Okay. And that's what it means to not be of the world. But then he says, okay, so now that we're not of the world, I'm sending you into it. We are sent into the world. Jesus says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Okay? Say, so if you follow Jesus, he's like, get out of your little bubble. Okay? I didn't ask you to kill, like hunker down and, and not live in the world. I actually sent you as, this, as you, he's praying to his father. He says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And so we're in it, but we're not of it. That's kind of the classic little phrase that people say. God so loved the world. And that means the people, you guys. That means the people. When the the other scripture says, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God, the love of the Father can't be in you. He's not talking about the people. He's talking about the way of the world. There's a system in the world that is self-centered, that's devoted to itself, that, 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 that does not love others, that does not put other people above themselves, that puts themselves above others. That's the way of the world. It's greed. It's, it's hoarding things for yourselves. It's everything that's not of God. That's where he says, man, if you love the way of the world, if you love the American dream, and it's like, I will go over anybody to get whatever I want so I can have more stuff so I can do He's like, yeah, that's not the love of God, okay? But God so loved the world. And that means every person, and he still does. Christ died for all, everybody, you guys, every person you know. Christ brought the kingdom of heaven. And I love this, man. I love the fact that Jesus came during the Roman Empire. It was a crazy empire, y'all. I don't know if you've read much about the history of that. I was reading this book, I, Claudius, uh, when Susie and I were over in Italy one time, and I was reading I, Claudius, and it was just this historical fiction of the emperors during the time of Christ. Right, babe? I mean, there were a few times I literally had to put the book down because I was so, I felt literally sick in my stomach at how corrupt that empire was. And that's when Jesus is like, hey, this would be a good time to come. (laughs) And here's the coolest thing. Jesus lives in the midst of absolute corruption and he just brings the kingdom. He brings the way of God right into the middle of it. And you know what's so crazy to me? You ever read the scriptures? What, what, in the Gospels? You never see Jesus going, we gotta take down the government. You never see him do that. He goes, hey, let's go love everybody. Let's go honor our father, do exactly what he tells us to do. And then everything we do, let's love him. 
Jesus proclaimed good news. The kingdom of God is here and it can happen anywhere, anytime, any place. It's the way of God and it's here. So we're in the world. So he's sending us, you guys, into the world in the same way that the father sent Jesus into the world. Hey, bring my righteousness, bring my peace, bring my joy, bring my love. Go into your workplaces, go into your schools, go into your neighborhoods and always put other people's interests above of your own and see what happens. Don't get defensive when people trample over you. Instead, love them instead. Hey, see what happens. I'm sending you into the world because my kingdom is here. It can happen through you. The fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's all that's what he wants us to do in the world. Wisdom from heaven is pure. It's peace-loving. It's considerate submissive. It's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial. It's sincere. It's peacemakers who sow in peace and they reap a harvest of righteousness. That's what we're supposed to be, you guys. You're not of this world. So get in the world, man. Get in the world and bring my kingdom into it. So how is this? Let's talk about this practically. What's this look like practically to be in the world as a citizen of heaven? Well, I can tell you this, number one, people are not going to share your values. It's just not going to happen, right? We go, I go to a foreign country. It's like, yep, we're different. <laughs> so you're going to get in the world and we just know it. Let's just admit it. They're not going to share our values. Here's the second thing. It's going to get uncomfortable. Never been uncomfortable? Is that interesting? Is that some reason why we don't do it? It's like, hey, can we just go to church and like sing worship songs? It's a lot more comfortable. Jesus is like... That would be a word I can't say right now. He would, Jesus would say, don't do that. I'm not about comfort. Let's go. Here's the other thing. It can be tempting and you gotta be super careful, right? I don't know what your vice is. I don't know where your struggle is. But if you do get into the ways of the world, your flesh wants it too. <laughs> Just like mine does. Just like all of us does. So it can be tempting. So be careful. And then it can be really confusing. It just can be super confusing. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, I don't know what to do right now. I don't know what to do, okay? But you guys, we are being transformed into the image of Jesus. That's what Christians are. We're being transformed into the image of Jesus. So let me just say this. Maturity, maturity in Christ is not being a Christian in a bubble, if you are not in the world and if you are not rubbing shoulders and have friends with people who are not walking with Christ, do you hear this? You don't actually look like him because Jesus came into the world. That was the whole reason he was here. And so don't be careful if we do so much Christian stuff that we're actually not making any impact at all in the world. It's not staying safe. Like Jesus was like, I was safe in heaven. I'm coming down. And so we got to get ourselves out there. And it is the wisdom of the cross. It means you're laying your life down so another person can live. And sometimes that means you suffer. How do we do this? I love this story. I, I heard it so long ago, you guys. I can't remember if it's true. Let's pretend it's true because it's super cool. Okay. But it was a story of a missionary. 
And he, and he goes to this country and he's trying to learn the culture of this new country. So he's hanging around with all the natives and stuff. And they're like, okay, man, this is a special, tomorrow's a special day. He goes, this is, and then they told him, this is when we go out on our annual monkey hunt. And he's like, all right, well, I guess I'm hunting monkeys tomorrow. And he goes, all right. And we do it naked. And the guy's like, all right, I think I can do that. So he's like, all right, I'm going to take off my clothes. The guy gets naked. He's going to go on the hunt. He goes, all right. And then when we hunt the monkeys and we get them, we eat their brains. And the guy's like, all right, I guess I'm eating monkey brains. And they go, and then when it's all done, we celebrate and we come back and we have sex with all the women. And he's like, all right, I guess I'm not doing that one. Like, when do you know, right? Like you're going to be in the world and sometimes you're going to be eating monkey brains and you're going to be running around naked and well, not in our culture, but, um, and then sometimes eventually you're going to get to a place where it's like, yeah, but I can't do that. And you just have to follow the discernment. You have to just know, Hey, what actually matters to God really? And what doesn't, I mean, I tell you, this is where we like to make all our little things. Well, I can't wear that or listen to that or eat that or, ah, I just want to say, if you're not in the world, that's probably your next step to become like Jesus. And let's just love people who are in the world. All right? Because here's the last thing he tells us. If we do that, our love reveals Jesus to the world. Our love reveals Jesus to the world. I am so crazy about this. Look at this, you guys. I pray, Jesus said, that all of them, that'd be us in this room, maybe one. We're supposed to be devoted to each other, love each other. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they, may all of us be, may they be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Come on, man. There is no way ever that you and I are going to be united to each other without what? Holy love, and which is only Jesus, yeah. It is a love that isn't human. Come on, man, can we just be honest? How, how, how united are we? I mean, how much do you love every person in this room? That's hard to do. <laughs> Somebody's having a little more hard time than anybody else, but <laughs> how do we do this? Man, we look around, we see people who aren't like us, and we're like, yeah, I'm going to go hang out with people who are like me and looking for the same type of people. It's like, you guys, Jesus said, wait, that's what the people who don't believe in me do. The people who don't believe in me, they just go find people who are like them, and they hang out with them. He goes, there's no glory in that, none. He goes, but I tell you what, you know what happened? Oh, my gosh. If you were in me and the Father, we have like this perfect sacrificial holy love for like everybody he goes, and if you guys would do that, you know what would happen? The world would believe. Oh, that's crazy, man. He goes, I've given them the glory you've given me that they may be one as we are one. I'm in them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me. And look at this, you guys. And the world will know that God, that you love them even as you have loved me. Hey, y'all, if we're just hanging out with each other and not loving the world, they're never going to know that God loves them. But if we'll go into the world 
And if we'll do it by loving each other deeply and carrying that type of community into the world, the rest of the world will go, wait, 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 wait. You guys don't look anything like each other and you love each other? You guys have totally different economic status. And you're not just hanging out with people who are like you? How do you guys do that? Wait, there's, there's people of all different nationalities and races and you're actually together loving each other? Oh man, the world is looking for this, you guys. And there's one love that does it and it's the love of Jesus. You are not of this world, but you are sent into the world. And if we love each other and love the world, then they'll see Jesus and they'll know he came from the father. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we just got a couple things to do. I'm asking my wife to come up here. Um, this is, can you everybody give a, a nice warm welcome to my beautiful wife? All right. We're going to stand. Yeah. Okay. Time to sit. <laughs> um, so here's the deal. Uh, I, I don't know anybody else. People who, who just, who don't have faith in Christ, they love this woman. <laughs> they just love her. So my whole life, the whole time I've known her, she just knows how to do this. Really? You do, man. You just live this. It's so cool. And so we just want to actually talk some of the questions that kind of came in from the survey and just talk a little bit about this. Like how practically do we actually live this out? Okay. And, and by the way, if you guys ever have any questions about specific situations that you would like us to be able to address, you can text our, the office number, 801-486-2240. You're never going to remember that. Just go to the website. <laughs> but if you text a certain situation, we would love to get back with you, okay? But babe, the first one that just came in, so I know I'm supposed to love my neighbors myself, but sometimes as of late, I have felt confused on where the line is as accepting others and offending my savior. In my group of people that I'm often with, I'm in the minority as a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I feel tested often in my faith. And yet when I fall on the don't judge and just love bandwagon, mm -hmm. I often wonder if that's a cop-out on my part. Am I, be, am I to be bolder? And how do I do that without losing my opportunity to be a light? Mm -hmm. How do I do that without making it look like I think I'm superior? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, honey. Um, <laughs> As I was thinking about this, um, you know, I lived a lot of years before this guy where predominantly the people in my life were far from God. Um, some of my dearest, dearest friends for about a decade before we met were not just far from God, but they, they were very vocal about him and said things like, I would rather believe that an alien sneezed and started this place than that there's a God. And, and they were pretty careless in their life, and they were my best friends. So I've been there. I've been uncomfortable. I have not done it perfectly. I think that is one of the realities you have to accept. You are a human being. And even though you might want to um, walk with people closely and, and do it perfectly. You're not going to do it perfectly. I, the, the things, though, that really hit me, that helped me, that are helping me now in some of the closest relationships that I have with people, number one is I have to know who my God is. He loves everybody perfectly. And if I don't believe that, it will mess with how I behave. 
If I don't have my mindset on what's true about him, I start playing God or I start um, judging or I start pulling away. But if I know my God is laser focused on this person in front of me right now and he's saying, I love you and he's in me, then I have a better chance of doing it well. The second thing is I have to be really ruthlessly honest about my idols. I have to know what my idols are because if I'm going into a situation and my idol is comfort or self-preservation, or if I real, it really, really matters to me what people think of me, that's one of my big ones. Um, I want to be thought well of. And sometimes that hinders me from being as bold as I need to be verbally because as long as they like me, maybe they'll like Jesus, you know? <laughs> and that's true to a point. But I think I've held back sometimes, because, not out of respect, but out of fear and worshiping my own idol. So it's not, there is no easy answer. It's not cut and dried. But if you're clear on who God is and what your idols are, and then if you're clear on what, I know I'm talking a long time. Okay. If you're clear on what your job is and what God's job is, that's another thing. I love when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit at the end of his life. And he says, I'm giving you a spirit, my spirit. And it's his job to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And I think too often when we want to be witnesses to our friends and family, we think we have to do that. Wait a minute. I have to tell you that what you're doing is wrong or what you're thinking is wrong or this is the way you do it. And that like is such a distasteful thing in people's mouths. Um, Our job is to love them and to love God and to be ready to give an answer for our hope. I'll just tell a quick story. One time, um, one of my climbing buddies, who is the guy who believed that an alien sneezed the world into existence. And don't laugh, that's actually a thing. It's a real thing and um, a real theory. And I was around this guy for two or three years, never got a word in inchwise in ter- terms of his relationship with God. But I would talk about my relationship with God a lot just because I was being who I authentically am. I love Jesus and I like to climb. And so I was being myself in this guy's company a lot. And one day he came to me, we went on a hike and he just said, Susan, I had the weirdest thing happen and I need to talk to somebody about it because I think it was God, but I have no idea. He said, and you are the only person in my life who talks to him. So I've got some questions for you. And that has been a magical moment that I don't have very often. That is a unique moment in my life. But it's an example, I think, of being there and being present and being authentic. Those are some thoughts. Love it. So the, a lot of the questions that came in were about family. Like, how, how do I actually deal with my family, right? Because those are the... Those are the and I, I think this is maybe the toughest, toughest one. So give us the answer to that one, babe. <clears throat> <laughs> He's, he's asking me that because this is my hardest thing. This is, I have a brother who used to be my closest friend in Christ. We prayed over the phone together. We had amazing times. And he has been so hurt that he has walked away from God and is stiff-arming him. 
And it's been 20 years since I've asked him a question about God. And it's embarrassing to say that because I love him and I know God loves him. Um, But when we enter our biological families, most of the time there is dysfunction and we slip right back. I can be the most truth-telling person amongst my chosen community. And then I go home and I'm like, oh, whatever you want. <laughs> okay. like, I'm just, so I am working on being a healthy person. I am working on moving into more authentic relationship with my, my brother. But I think that we swing pendulums here. There are some of us who, when we love Jesus, we go into our families like a cannonball. We're like, you know, everybody's got to know Jesus. And we just, and it explodes and it doesn't go great. Or we go into our family and um, like me, try to make the peace. And um, again, I think the three things about who God is, who I am and what my job is and what his job is, that's four, um, can help. I think I'm always been jealous of the people in Acts where it says that one person believed and their whole household believed with them. In my experience, that's more rare than I wish it was. And it's, here's what I want to say about this. This is, I think, one of the most painful things in life. So we ask this question and we have this whole sermon and this conversation. There's so much pain and confusion just kind of dripping off of this topic. And um, we can't really deal with that now. But if any of you want to pray with us afterwards, we'll pray together. We can pray for my family. We'll pray for your family. Um, I have to believe, though, that my God, who saved me and reached down and changed my life, is big enough, and he's king and he holds my loved ones. He holds my kids. He holds my friends. He holds my family. He holds the entire world in the palm of his hand. And he is love. And I don't understand him. I don't understand why sometimes here and not there. But I love him and I trust him. And somehow that is comfort to me and gives me hope for the next 20 years with my brother that I hopefully I will have. It's not guaranteed. But I love the one thing she told me that this today that was so cool is instead of having to try to get him to believe in Jesus, the one thing you, you can do is just talk about what he's doing with you. Mm-hmm. Like they love, they love Susie. They love her. And she's free to be able to talk about what he's doing. So just share the joy, share the, share the life, share, share what's happening with you. Just be that type of witness instead of having to try to cram it down their throat, all right? One last thing real quick I just want to say is, sometimes too, you guys, like, what do I do when I'm, atten- when I'm asked to attend something that's ungodly? You ever think, you guys ever struggle with that? Like, man, should I go or should I not go? And Susie had the right answer. She just said, well, maybe we should just ask God, <laughs> which is probably the first thing. Seriously, the Holy Spirit will let you know if you should do this. But I do want to challenge you a little bit on one thing with this. So basically what you're, you're, we're, we're dealing with here is you share different beliefs and different values with that other person, right? And you're like, I don't know if I should go to their thing. Let me ask you a question. Do you invite people with different values and beliefs to Christian gatherings? 
And when you, when, and when you do, do you expect them to come? Isn't that funny? I just think we're kind of funny as Christians. Well, you should come to my thing. Okay. Then, and when they come, if they do come, does that make them automatically adopt and support your beliefs? See, and then when somebody asks us to go to something that's different than our, our, our values, where do we go? Well, oh, I can't go. I can't go because if I go, I might, what's that show? Does that, see what I'm saying? Put yourself in the other shoes and think how we act. And then just remember, it's like, I think God would be, now again, there might be a time where the spirit does say, you feel a conviction. You're like, yeah, I just am not supposed to be there. That's fine. But I would say in general, I've had things like that where people come to K2 all the time. And then I just said, you know what? I know you're involved in some other stuff that's different than me. I'm going to your thing. <laughs> and let's, I just think that would be a great way to show. I think Jesus was fine and confident to be able to go wherever he needed to go. All right? All right. 